0: Almost Famous with John Shea. Featuring local and independent musicians from the South Shore, Boston, and New England. On 95.9 WATD.
1: Welcome to the Almost Famous Tiny Stage 95.9 WATD. Introducing you to independent bands and musicians from across New England. Every Tuesday night, 8 till 10, brought to you by Tiny and Son's Glass. I'm John Shea. If you're a local band or musician with original music you'd like to hear on the radio, please reach out. Find all the contact information on the Almost Famous page at 95.9WATD.com. Give me a follow on Facebook and Instagram at Almost Famous Radio and subscribe to the podcast. Find that by searching Almost Famous, W-A-T-D on your favorite podcast app or head over to almostfamousradio.com. So tonight I'm being joined on the W-A-T-D tiny stage by singer-songwriter Jenna May. How are you doing tonight?
2: I'm doing good. How are you? I'm
1: fantastic. Welcome. Thank you. For those who might not be familiar with you, give yourself an introduction.
2: I am a 23-year-old singer-songwriter. I like to describe myself from being in the Boston area, and I like to also describe myself as writing songs like Taylor Swift. So if you like Taylor Swift, you might like me. Yeah, that's kind of my general thing.
1: Fantastic. I want to talk about influences later on, but you have a debut album out. Give us the details on that.
2: Yeah, so you can listen to Emotions Gallery by Jenna Mae. Everywhere you listen to music, it's about a year old, and yeah, it's my first album.
1: And share with us the website, the socials, where can you be found?
2: Everything is May Rose and Magic, like May the month, Rose the flower, and Magic as in witches and things.
1: I have Um, to ask about that handle. How did you develop that?
2: Yeah, so I have two middle names, so my full name is Jenna May Rose, so I just like using May Rose for things, and... I love magic, so May Rose and magic.
1: Fantastic. I love it. So we're in the very, very early stages of 2024. I know you have a lot going on, so if people want to stay up to date with what you're doing throughout the year, is that the best place to go, the Facebook, the Instagram, stuff like that?
2: Yeah, Instagram is probably the best. I do have a website as well that is also mayroseandmagic.com, so very all cool.
1: things Jenna May. I love it. Well, let's start off with some music. What are we kicking off the night with?
2: We're going to start with my song called Thought Crime, which is on my debut album, Emotions Gallery.
1: I love this song. We have Jenna Mae live on the tiny stage, 95.9 nine WHD. Whenever you're ready, it's all yours. ¶¶ Great way to start the night, Jenna Mae live on the tiny stage, 95.9 W.A.T.D. Talk about that song. How did you write that?
2: So that song actually took me technically six years to write. Ever since reading the book 1984 by George Orwell as a junior in high school, I knew I wanted to write a song called Thought Crime. You know, for anyone who hasn't read the book, Thought Crime is a concept in it. So it took me a long time to figure out what I wanted my song to be about And then I finally figured it out through, I don't even know, just magic, I guess. So it's basically, you know, it it takes the idea of a thought crime, like figuratively, as opposed to a literal crime of just everyone has things that they probably shouldn't be thinking about. You know, it's not very healthy. It's just going to, you know, mess things up for them. And that's, yeah.
1: So talk about the significance of the album title.
2: Yeah. So... Emotions Gallery. This is an idea and a, a concept that I came up with while writing in my journal. It's really just about having a place to like examine all of my feelings and better understand myself. And it's an Emotions Gallery because everyone else can join me in that and like trying to understand myself. And so I think like the idea of everyone having that kind of Emotions Gallery is really great because You get to be vulnerable, and I think that's really important.
1: Absolutely. Where is that available?
2: You can listen to it everywhere. So it's on Spotify, Apple Music, you know, all the streaming services.
1: Let's say that somebody doesn't want to stream it. If they actually want to give you money, can they purchase a physical copy of that?
2: I don't have, like, CDs on my website currently, but I do have a couple of CDs.
1: Okay, cool. So So if they they find you at a show or something like that. Yeah,
2: exactly. I have CDs at my shows. Excellent.
1: That's good to know. Let's go back in time. I I know Dad's in studio with you too tonight. Mm -hmm. What's the very first thing that comes to mind when you, when you think about music in your life?
2: I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is Jesse McCartney, because I was a big Jesse McCartney fan when I was like six and seven, um, when he was like, you know, at his peak of being like, you know, like all the girls loved him. The
1: teen idol phase. <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so that was really my first experience of like really loving an artist, even though I didn't really understand the songs cause I was only six, but <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably my earliest memory.
1: When did you realize the music is in your blood?
2: Um, you know, that's a good question. I've always loved music and I always used to like write songs in the shower or like I there are a couple like songs that I found that I wrote down like way earlier than I thought I did, but I didn't really realize that like I could do music or pursue it until high school actually. So, you know, kind of a late bloomer career-wise, but
1: When did it go from being just like a hobby that you you do in high school to doing something that you want to do for the rest of your life to actually be your career.
2: Well, the reason that I decided that I wanted to try actually singing is kind of embarrassing because basically I decided that I was going to marry Ross Lynch, who is was a <laughs> okay. musician. And at that point I would wanted to be a doctor. And so I was like, you know, a doctor and a musician, not very compatible schedules. <laughs> so then I like started thinking about, you know, music And I always assumed for whatever reason that I just couldn't sing, even though like nobody told me that I couldn't sing. And so then I like sent a voice memo to my best friend and I was like, be brutally honest. And that was kind of the journey. And then I started like getting vocal lessons. And then I was like, yeah, you know what? Like, I'm going to do this as, you know, this is what I want to do.
1: Now, did you like DM Ross Lynch afterwards and say, hey, I'm singing? I'm here.
2: No, I didn't. But someday, <laughs> someday we'll be friends, and it'll you know it'll be a good story to laugh Absolutely. about. Absolutely,
1: like you'll be like you know sharing festival stages and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. That is so cool. That's Jenna Mae. She's the guest tonight on the W A T D Tiny Stage. Let's do more music. What are we listening to next?
2: Send to the Syndrome, which is also on Emotions Gallery.
1: All right, love it. Let's hear it, Jenna Mae live in studio. The Tiny Stage is yours. Ninety-five nine W A T D
0: of attack But I know I'd lose track
1: Fantastic. Jenna Mae, live on the tiny stage, WATD. Talk about that. That sounded very personal.
2: Yeah. So that song is actually a song I wrote about having Tourette's syndrome. And I wrote it like a time when I was a senior in college that I was having like a really bad time with it. And I first wrote a poem in my journal called "Sent to the Syndrome. So I a lot of the lines, a lot of the lyrics are, like, directly from that poem. Yeah, so it's, you know, it is a very
1: emotional song, but... Do you find that it's easier to explain difficult situations through song than it is just by talking?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think it's, you know, it's more relatable, perhaps, because, you know, everyone listens to music, you know?
1: Now, has anybody heard that song and learned something from it that they didn't learn before? Has anybody said anything to you? about any of your your songs that maybe have, you know, changed their life a little bit?
2: Not that song, but I do have another song with one of my best friends. She goes by Kenai for music. We met at school and we wrote a song together called To Beyond, which is also out. You can listen to that everywhere. And it's a song about, like, overcoming death. She used to really be afraid of death. And I'm like, oh, well, you know.
1: It happens. we, (laughs) we, We all live, like,
2: we all live a lot of lives and... And so it w- it's really a song about like me helping her overcome her fear of death. And there was somebody else we had gone to school with that had lost somebody close to them. And so she had texted my friend and said like, your song like really helped me with this. So that was really cool.
1: That's really cool. I love yeah. that. I want to go back to our previous conversation about your early days in music. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you discover Ross Lynch. You want to sing. Mm-hmm. You want to make this your life. What then changed about your confidence level after that moment? Did you start performing right away? How did that work within your career?
2: I mean, you know, I'm still working on my confidence level. (laughs) No, I definitely didn't start performing right away. So I started taking like singing lessons and that really did help my teacher. Like one of the most important things I like picked up from her was like about like confidence and being able to like sing it all in front of other human beings and so I, I slowly started performing. It's never been, like, a fast-moving thing. I'm, I'm always afraid to perform, so.
1: What's the moment <laughs> you realized, though, that this this is something you you really enjoy?
2: I think, like, pretty much once I started getting into it, I just kind of knew, like, that, you know, this is what I'm supposed to do.
1: That's cool. Do you remember your first moment on stage? Can you share that?
2: Yeah, my first moment on stage was a little, like, recital kind of thing at my music school it was like horrifying, but I was just like standing there looking at my vocal teacher. And so that, you know, that was really nice that she was there to like, keep me, keep me in check. So, yeah. That's cool.
1: So you're playing piano tonight. Mm -hmm. When did the actual instrumentation part of your career fall into place?
2: That kind of started the same time as my vocal lessons, because my teacher would also help me with learning piano. And then I had like a little like piano my grandfather got from the dump in New Hampshire. And like, so then I would practice. So kind of the same time.
1: When did you gain the confidence to start doing both like singing and playing piano or playing guitar?
2: You know, I actually don't really remember the first time. I think it was probably another sort of recital at my music school that I started like performing with the piano. But that was also a slower process because it's like, you know, when you have performance anxiety, it's like singing's one thing, and then you're like, "Oh God, here's an instrument that I like have to also play." But I'm I'm currently learning guitar, so at some point, you know, I'll
1: perform with that too. Now you mentioned that uh, that you you do have uh, Tourette syndrome. How does that factor into your actual playing and uh, and singing, or does it?
2: Well, interestingly, I have talked about this with my neurologist, and it's it's kind of like. For a lot of people with Tourette syndrome or just like tics in general, when you're doing something that you love, it kind of like, it doesn't go away, but it's not as, you know, so like when I, when I sing, it's not super prevalent because I'm, I'm focused on singing. So, you know, that's nice. Is it
1: kind of like muscle memory? Is that kind of how that works?
2: Mm, I think it's more like my brain is like too busy doing something else <laughs> to like, you know.
1: Yes. I yeah. think we all have that on occasion. Mm, yeah. <laughs> That's Jenna Mae. If you would, share with us again your website, the socials, and give the uh, debut album another plug.
2: Yes. May Rose and Magic, all my social media, mayroseandmagic.com. My debut album is called Emotions Gallery, and you can listen to it everywhere.
1: Fantastic. We are up against our first break of the Tiny Stage Hour. We have a lot to go. We have a lot more music, a lot more stuff to share with Jenna Mae, live in studio tonight, 95.9 WATD. I'm John Shea, and of course, brought to you by Tiny Ensons Glass.
0: And now, back to Almost Famous on 95.9 WATD.
1: Welcome back to the Almost Famous Tiny Stage Hour 95.9 WATD. I'm John Shea, introducing you to independent bands and musicians from across New England. Brought to you by Tiny and Sons Glass. Give me a follow tonight on Facebook and Instagram at almost famous radio and subscribe to the podcast find that by searching almost famous W A T D on your favorite podcast app or at almostfamousradio.com Tonight being joined in studio by Jenna May. How you doing? I'm doing fabulous. I am great too. Thank you so much for coming down to Marshfield. Mm-hmm, yeah. Reintroduce yourself again. Who is Jenna May?
2: I'm an independent pop singer-songwriter from the greater Boston area. And I said earlier that I write songs like Taylor Swift and I'm gonna stick with that.
1: That's cool. <laughs> Big influence?
2: Yes, my major influence.
1: You have a debut album. Give us the details on that.
2: My debut album is called Motions Gallery that you can listen to everywhere, and you should listen to it. So
1: I think it's cool. I've listened to it a few times. I love it. Thank you. And share with us where it can be found.
2: Mayrosandmagic dot com and Mayroseandmagic and Magic on all my social media.
1: What first got you into magic, I have to ask?
2: It might honestly be like my parents always did a really good job of making the holidays feel magical with like decorations. And like every St. Patrick's Day, my mom would like line the hallway with glitter and put out like a tiny doll shoe as a leprechaun. Um, (laughs) I mean, they were real leprechauns for any kids listening. But so I think that that definitely helped like foster like, you know, my love of magic. But I think I've just, I'm very in tune with like, the magical essence of the universe. So,
1: I love that. That's so cool. Now, do you perform magic at all? Have you ever tried that? Or is it just kind of the, the, the belief in magic?
2: Uh, yeah, I am not a musician. Uh, I am a musician. I'm not a magician. <laughs>
1: <laughs> funny story about that. I actually was asked to, to host a musician's networking night in Plymouth many, many years ago. And some old guy drove up from Providence thinking it was a magician's networking night. Oh, no,
0: that's
2: funny. And uh, I, was,
1: I was kind of disappointed when he walked in with his top hat at that point I'm just like, you know what, I'm done <laughs> Have a good night, I'm leaving Let's do some more music from you What are we listening to next?
2: Next we're going to listen to a song called Isn't It Something?
1: Let's hear it, Jenna Mae live on the tiny stage With the piano, 95.9 W.A.T.D.
0: Isn't it something When you think you know everything Going from being so sure? Almost nothing, then question if anything you ever knew was ever real. Then question how can I trust what I feel? Try to accept.
1: Jenna Mae live on the Tiny Stage, W-A-T-D. Talk about that song. How did you write that?
2: I wrote that song when I was kind of going through a situation of, like, questioning my faith in the universe. I'm, like, not a religious person, but I'm very spiritual and, like, my own mixed, mashed way of believing in, like, spiritual things. And, like, so I, I really believe in, like, the universe as a driving force and, like, everything happens for a reason. But I was going through a time that, like, I was, like, everything I've ever known is, like, wrong and, like, you know, like, what do my feelings even mean? And so, like, I was I was really kind of going through, like, just not understanding, like, my connection to the universe, which was really, like, a hard thing for me.
1: So when you are going through something like that and you put it down in song, what then happens to those feelings inside of you?
2: Um, I mean... It normally makes me feel better. It did feel good to get it out, but it, like you know, it didn't resolve things in the way you know sometimes writing does for me, which is kind of terrible because normally I can write something and then it's out of me and I'm like great, but I really had to kind of go through it with the universe after yes. I wrote this song.
1: <laughs> Let's talk songwriting for just a moment here, speak, mm-hmm. since we're on the topic here. When did mm-hmm. songwriting first become part of your musical life?
2: I technically started writing songs when I was little, before I actually started making music i've always been really drawn to writing and creative writing particularly like the first thing i ever actually wanted to be was a writer so songwriting you know comes pretty naturally to me because i'm just constantly writing things especially like poems and prose so
1: do you remember the first song you ever wrote
2: i have like a memory of writing in my diary a song that was like No one understands me and I don't fit in here like with my family or whatever, even though it was like not true. (laughs) Like, I don't really know why I wrote it, but I have a memory of writing about that.
1: Do you still like bust it out at open mics or anything like that?
2: No, I don't have it anymore, but too bad.
1: (laughs) So since you first started writing music, how do you think your writing and even your style has evolved over time? I
2: think I'm writing a bit more complex now in a way. I'm just finding my voice more um, as I go on and like what my musical style is. And I think also like my process of writing has changed because before I used to pretty much like never write chords before I actually like started writing lyrics or like a concept. But now I do that. Like I feel like it's 50-50. I like write something on the piano and then like add lyrics to it.
1: So So, melody usually comes first.
2: Yeah. That's the part that's like easy to me. The chords and the rest of it is kind of, you know.
1: So take us through that process. Like how long does it take you typically to compose a complete song?
2: I mean, sometimes like a day, like I'll sit down in like 30 minutes and I've written a song. Sometimes it takes like a few months because I like, I'll write a song, I'll write part of a song and then I don't want to force it. So I just like, let it sit for a while before I come back to it. Some songs I, I just write it and I'm like, yeah, like it's done. I don't need to, you know, change anything. But then sometimes, sometimes I really need to revise
1: So you've got a song, you're you're sitting down, like, in your bedroom, Mm -hmm. and you busted a song in, like, 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. How long does it take you to then share that song with the world?
2: Ooh. I mean, I don't think too long. I think in the past, I write a song, and I get, like, like, a little recording done, and then I'm like, okay, great, like, I have a song to, like, release, but I think... Like now I've kind of made like a promise to myself that I'm going to spend more time before I release music because I felt like I feel in the past. I really kind of rushed myself to be like, I have to be, you know, constantly releasing music. So I'm going to force myself to really like let the song marinate this time. You
1: know, so you're on stage, you're in front of a a sea of people Mm -hmm. and you're playing one of your original songs for the very first time in public. What's going through your mind?
2: I mean, usually, like, don't mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of black out when I perform, so, yeah.
1: When did you know, so you've, you've got all these songs, you've you've mm-hmm. got you, enough songs to make an album. When did you know it was time to actually go into the studio?
2: I think once I had, like, a handful of songs and, like, I had the concept of Emotions Gallery, I was like, all right, like, it's time to start recording this. Like, I had it laid out, like, my, you know, the whole album plan and everything. So, I mean, it wasn't done yet, but I think I had pretty much most of the songs, at least the idea of them. And then I was like, it's time to start, you know, getting it recorded.
1: I love it. Well, let's continue with your music. What are we listening to next?
2: Um, so next I'm going to do a cover of a song that, you know, it, she's a very small artist, but I think that she's a real master of her craft. So, yeah.
1: Who's a by? Taylor Swift. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear it. live on the tiny stage, 95.9, W A T D
0: Once upon a time, a few mistakes ago, I was in your sights, you got me alone. You found me, you found me, you found me, e, 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 e. and I guess you didn't care, and I guess I liked that, and when I fell hard, you took a step back. is on me Cause I knew you were trouble when you walked I knew you a trouble when you walked in Trouble, trouble, trouble I knew you were trouble when you walked in Trouble,
1: trouble, trouble Fantastic. Jenna Mae live on the tiny stage. W-A-T-D. I want to talk about influences since mm-hmm. we're on the topic here. Mm-hmm. Who did you grow up listening to? Who are you listening to today? And are they the same person?
2: Yes, I've been <laughs> the same person. I've always been a huge Swifty. And she's my biggest musical and like songwriting inspiration. I mean, I probably wouldn't be an artist without her. Although, I mean, it was Ross Lynch that inspired me. But I still probably wouldn't really be an artist without her. I also, I mentioned earlier, Jesse McCartney. I still love Jesse McCartney. Someday I will open for him on tour. I also really loved Selena Gomez when I was little and I still love her a lot. I pretty much like the same people I loved when I was little. I still love.
1: As their songwriting has evolved over time, how has that affected your songwriting and your musicianship?
2: Using Taylor as an example, she has a lot of albums that, you know, are different from each other and she's really evolved in her own career in her style of music. And I think that it's really inspiring to think that, you know, as I'm like still discovering my sound, it's like I don't have to be tied down to one thing. I can keep evolving just the way Taylor has evolved. So,
1: And just her being a very strong woman, not just a strong female musician, but just a very mm-hmm. strong female businesswoman. Yeah. How do you think that has influenced your generation of musicians?
2: Well... She is the music industry, and she's, you know...
1: I would agree, completely. Yeah.
2: She, you know, there's a lot of changes that have been brought about by her, but I think a lot of musicians and singer-songwriters, especially my age, are really, like, focused on their own empowerment as a creative person, you know, to own our work, of course, and really advocate for ourselves and our careers.
1: What's the song, and it doesn't have to be a Taylor song, but what's the song you wish you had written?
2: So many, you know, I was thinking... There's a lot of songs I wish that I'd written, but, oh, no, I know, like, my top answer. I forgot it for a second, but I know my top answer ever. Um, It is a a Taylor song. My Tears Ricochet. It's on Folklore. You know, if I could have written that, I would be, like, I could quit my career. I would be done.
1: Well, share with us your website, the socials, and all that stuff, and your new album. Where can that all be found?
2: Yes, you can listen to Emotions Gallery everywhere you listen to music, and you can check out me and my album and all my upcoming projects via May Rose and Magic on all social media and mayroseandmagic.com.
1: Fantastic. Let's do more music. We have two more left.
2: Yes. Coincidentally, actually, all of the songs except for that Taylor song are all on my album emotions gallery. Not planned on, you know, not on purpose, but this next song is called Ashamed.
1: Let's hear it. Jenna Mae live on the tiny stage. 95.9 W.A.T.D.
0: By your gravity What's
1: Jenna live on the tiny stage. Let's talk about that song. How did that one happen?
2: That song started off as like a hate letter to a medication and also to my psychiatrist. I had taken this medication for a long time that I started taking in high school. And I really hated it because it barely worked and the cons far outweighed the pros. Like I hated it. But the thing about it is that there's like a really high dependence level to it. So, you know, if I didn't take it the same exact time every day, I would feel physically sick. And I also really did not like my psychiatrist who gave me this medicine. And so I always wanted to come off of it. And then I couldn't because, you know, it was going to be a big process, a big deal to come off of it. But then I finally did. And so that's what the song is about. It's like, you know, Like a F you to my psychiatrist and and the medicine specifically, but, you know, like to the psychiatrist. Yeah.
1: This is a question I usually ask songwriters on this show. And this Mm is maybe a perfect time for this, although it's not necessarily the same situation. But when you write a song about somebody, do they know it's about them?
2: I don't think so. Like, I only have one song out that's really about like another actual person that would like could know it was about them, and they definitely don't know it's,
1: it's about them. Can they usually guess?
2: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, th- I think it depends on the person. I feel like most people that I'm writing a song about wouldn't be able to guess, and that's why I'm writing the song, although I do have like some songs that I like write about my friends. I just haven't put them out yet. Gotcha. So, yeah.
1: I want to go back to the album for a moment. How many songs did you go into the album with and how many made the final cut?
2: Honestly, I went into it with about the amount of songs that is on the album because it was really like...
1: Is that like structurally planned?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was really like once I had the concept, it was like, yeah, these are the songs. But there were a couple other songs that I hadn't really written very much of yet. And then I was like, you know what? It's fine. Like they don't really belong on the album, but they're... Was one song that I was really, really determined. I was like, this is like so vital to the concept of the album, but it ended up not making it. So.
1: Are there plans for a follow up?
2: With that song? Yeah. I would like to come back to it in the future, but it's like, I was like really struggling. The song was finished, but then I all of a sudden decided like, no, I hate the way it sounds. Like I don't like the melody or the chords. So then I was like trying to like I was trying to scramble to get it together to record it for the album. But the reason why I started hating it was because it became untrue since I had written it. And so the point of the song is like kind of it's a mute point now because it's not accurate anymore. But hopefully in the future it will be and then I can release it.
1: Talk about the studio process. What was it like going into the studio and recording yourself?
2: It was a pretty good experience. Like I recorded all of the piano like at home and I did it like MIDI. So the only instrument that I recorded in the studio was ukulele for one song. And then I just did all the vocals and I had my best friend engineer for me and record me. So there was no person that was like, oh, I don't really like this person. It was a magical experience. That's great. great. Yeah.
1: I noticed the magic theme intertwining your life.
2: Yeah, I didn't even just do that on purpose. I didn't even (laughs) notice.
1: (laughs) The difference between performing live and recording, talk about that. Was it easy to um, kind of adapt the songs you play live to a recording setting?
2: Yes, and I think the reason for that is that I hadn't played any of them live yet. Like, they were just living in the world as songs to be recorded, so there was no difference there.
1: Fantastic. Yeah. And show us again the album title and where it's available.
2: Emotions Gallery by Jenna Mae, available everywhere.
1: We're up against our final break of the night. We have time for one more song. Does that work for you?
0: Mm hmm. All right.
1: We'll do that after the break. 95.9 WATD. We're in studio tonight with Jenna May.
0: And now, back to Almost Famous on 95.9 WATD.
1: For the final time tonight, welcome back to the almost famous Tiny Stage 95.9 W.A.T.D. Introducing you to independent bands and musicians from across New England. Brought to you by Tiny and Son's Glass. I'm John Shea. Being joined in studio tonight by the magical Jenna May. How you doing?
2: I'm doing good. I'm I'm feeling magical. (laughs) (laughs) That's good.
1: That's good. It sounds magical. Reintroduce yourself for the final time tonight.
2: My name is Jenna May, and I am a magical pop singer songwriter from the Boston area. <laughs> and I write songs like Taylor Swift.
1: Fantastic. Share with <laughs> us your website, the socials, you can the find new album, me, all that stuff.
2: You can find me on all social media at May Rose and Magic. My website is MayRoseandMagic.com. And my debut album is called Emotions Gallery.
1: And it's available on all streaming platforms and some limited hard copies yes, of Hillbud shows.
2: Limited hard copies. They'll be worth a lot of money someday. Yes,
1: exactly. Are they signed? <laughs>
2: Um, no, but I can sign them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we're talking to about uh, plans for 2024. If people want to follow you and stay up to date, where's the best place to go for all of that information?
2: I think my Instagram, definitely, because I tease things there before I actually announce it.
1: Now if somebody's seeing you perform live, what can they expect?
2: I don't know. They can expect a magical time, I suppose. <laughs> um, you know, it, I, it's a very like intimate performance when I perform. So
1: do you have a favorite onstage moment?
2: There's nothing that, like, jumps out at me. I haven't had, like, a bad onstage moment, I guess, so.
1: Well, we have time for one more song. Before we get to that final song, any final words you want to share?
2: Just thank you for having me on here on Almost oh, my Famous pleasure. Radio.
1: Thank you for making this happen. Yeah. What's our final song going to be?
2: Our final song is actually an unreleased song that will be coming in 2024 in an unannounced month. So at some point in 2024, the song will be coming out. And it's called "Look Right Past
1: Me." And before you play it, talk about how it happened.
2: It's a culmination of feelings of when there's somebody or something on your mind, and like no matter how hard you try, you like cannot get it out of your mind, even if it's like toxic. And you, you know, it's it's along the lines of thought crime. It's about the same person. So
1: very cool. Well, let's hear it. Thank you again. Get home safely. Best of luck with everything in the new year, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. 95.9 WHD, one final time, Jenna May on the Tiny Stage.
0: Oh, I thought I could move past it. But you are like an elastic wrapped around my mind. You keep on breaking in, making me feel dizzy. Toxic and all my friends agree Say that it doesn't matter touch the process of moving on